Hey, this is Alex, and you're tuned in to the Market Ventures Podcast. It's Monday, December 21st, and today we talk with Paul David Thompson, host of the real estate podcast, Ready Investor One. Now, this was one of my actual favorite interviews. Invite a friend and stay tuned. According to economists, the real estate market is hot right now. Lack of money and experience are no excuse to not investigate this opportunity. David is going to give us some clarity on how he got into the market, why he got into the market, and how it is he was able to do 18 deals in only his first 18 months. Okay, sure thing. Well, thanks for having me on here. And I'm a, uh, currently a full-time real estate investor, and I used to be a corporate drone, <laughs> so to speak. I was very much in the corporate world for 17 years. And about 15 years into that journey, I just found myself basically climbing the wrong wall. I mean, I was climbing the ladder that was laid up against the, the wrong wall. I was just very dissatisfied and I just at first didn't know really what that was about. And I discovered that I was just really tired of helping build somebody else's life dream. And the way I like to put it is I was living life by default. I followed the traditional narrative and advice of going to school and getting a job and then my life plan was over and I was, you know, 15 years in a life plan. And I thought I've just got to do something else that's, you know, filling my own cup instead of somebody else's. And so I looked around quite a bit trying to figure out what was my way to escape from the corporate world. And I've ultimately landed on real estate as my vehicle because I was able to kind of dip my toe into it while I was still working. And I think in about the first 18 months, I did, I think I bought 18 deals and I did about, I think 20 deals altogether. I bought 18 properties and I did 20 deals. I did two wholesale deals. Um, and that was enough for me to convince myself that this was a viable mechanism, a bridge to an, a, a life that was in line with my life values. I hear a lot of people in the corporate world are just miserable. I mean, mm. every, everybody I've interviewed in the last couple of days has been kind of that same thing. It's maybe not all corporate, but they worked in a job and kind of that same sentiment that you expressed is, why am I working so hard for somebody else's dream? Mm -hmm. Right. I'm working harder on their job than they are. So no, the eight, now the 18 properties in 18 months, that is absurd. You do understand that, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it it, it kind of cuts both ways. Um, there are certainly people who have done so many more deals than that in a much shorter amount of time at a much younger age. So, you know, it's but it's not about really comparing yourself to other people. You got to find where you are in your path and what can you do to um, upgrade yourself, level up. And in my case, I was uh, 37 at the time and I had uh, a good paying corporate job and I had good credit. So I could borrow money pretty easily. And at the time, even in 2015, 
the uh, rates were still very low, and there's, there there would seem high compared to two, 2020s uh, <laughs> interest rates, but they were still you know sub six percent. And when you can borrow money at sub six percent and then get a return of at least you know nine ten percent, you're you're playing a pretty good game of arbitrage there. So I was able to get into deals. Um, at a pretty low price point, I happen to live in Little Rock, Arkansas, and this market that I'm in, where I happen to be, is just a naturally easy cash flowing market. Even now, but certainly five years ago, you could buy properties off the MLS for you know retail rates and still meet the one percent rule in some cases. So, um, I it, it's a good market to get into. It's a, similar type markets would be would be the same. Where you're, you're not uh, a Dallas or an Atlanta or certainly a Miami or a, <laughs> California where your cash flow just is almost impossible to find. I was able to kind of stumble my way into really low end properties uh, compared to what most people would probably find in their, in their, in their markets. So, uh, it's not like I'm, I was buying, uh, $18 million deals. I was buying 18 between 30 and $70,000 deals. So there, there, there were small price points. In my very first deal, I, I bought it for $30,000 and put 10000 of my own money into it. And then I refied it and got the $40,000 loan back out. And it was worth about fifty fifty five when I did that refi. And I still have that property today. It rents for six fifty. It's a three one and it cash flows a few hundred dollars a month. And that was a proof of concept for me that made me think, you know what, I can do this again. And I even uh, created a goal of, of creating a hundred doors. I want to build this empire. But what I found, one of the big lessons that I learned, and I hope your listeners will take heed, is the number of doors that you that you have is completely an ego number. It doesn't matter. What you're really after is the cash flow and the net worth that you're growing. So don't get overly caught up in walking around with your chest puffed out, talking about how many doors you have, or when somebody else says, oh, I have 40 doors, I have 400 doors. Oftentimes, those are just ego numbers, because I've met people who have 400 doors that have 100 of them that are, that are, that are vacant, and they don't have the cash flow to fix those 100 up. So you, you got to be careful not to build a, uh, a deck of cards or a house of cards that will come crashing down on you within, when everything doesn't go right. Wow. So you mentioned a lot of uh, different to uh, terms there, real estate terms <laughs> that uh, are very, very textbook, but also you use them so casually and fluently. Like if I'm talking about the stock market and I say something hmm. um, that is found in a textbook, I try to put it in a way that is very digestible. For you, it's just part of your vernacular, it seems, at this point. I mean, you, you said something about the 1% rule. What, what does that yeah. mean? Yeah, so when you're talking about um, making an investment in real estate, uh, typically single family, you know, uh, you know, a house that, you know, or duplex maybe, but, you know, a small, um, apartment complex or a single family house that somebody would, you know, an individual house somebody would live in, um, you, there is a, a rule of thumb and it is simply this only a rule of thumb. And it's like the minimum threshold for which it makes sense to buy a property. And it's called the 1% rule. And basically it states that at the 1% rule, the monthly rent is 1% of your total acquisition and rehab cost of the property. So for example, if the property that you buy is worth and you buy it for a hundred thousand dollars, if it meets the 1% rule, then it would rent for 1% of that, which is $1,000. Hey, 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 hey.
Great financial success starts with two skills, goal setting and saving. That's where Digit comes in. The one app for all your goals. Digit helps you save, invest, pay off debt, and prevent overdrafts. With Digit, guiding money to your goals each day, you will reach them faster and feel at peace along the way. Search thesavings.club. That's thesavings.club. Or click the link in the show notes. You will get a free $5 to get your savings started. Interesting. So where did you, um, the, the, and I'm going to keep comparing to stock market because that's how I, that's how I, I'm able to understand what you're saying Sure. because it's, they're very, they're like almost cousins. They are so cousins. Yeah. In the, <laughs> um, so where do you get your, where do you get your, uh, information from? Like you were in a corporate job that I'm, ass- I'm assuming had nothing to do with the real estate. And right. then in 18 months, I mean, obviously it took some time to get there, but you were able to make, you know, that many deals in such a short amount of time. What was your education like to enable you to have that confidence, right? Mm-hmm. To, to step out there and make that, take that leap. Yeah. I consumed a lot of podcasts and a lot of books. And so I, I definitely hit the library and get, and got the Kindle app and, and, downloaded as many books as I could find and uh, a, a wonderful online resource and forum. If your listeners aren't already familiar is biggerpockets.com. Uh, they are a kind of like the Facebook for real estate investors. Um, they have a ton of fantastic educational um, um, knowledge that they share freely and openly. And it, they have a fantastic podcast and they have, well, actually now they have several podcasts by this point and they have several books that they've published. So it's a, a, a wonderful resource. It does tend to bend towards beginners. So once you get a few years into it, they kind of hit the hit a threshold where you kind of want the next level. And I found that the next level was found by meeting other real estate investors and finding where do they go and learn and, and to get to kind of level up their knowledge base after the, you know, the, the more, readily accessible content was, was consumed. And I was so lucky. I found, I, I followed some advice that someone gave me once is, you know, go and find an, uh, a, a mentor and ask around. And this is not something you should be paying for. Just go and find somebody who's been there, done that. And just, you know, buddy up to them and see what you can do to help them. So I did an internet search for a, a real estate investors in my state and I found a guy who was in another market about an hour away from me. So I didn't think he would think of me as competition. And I reached out to him and sent him an email simply saying my, my situation and that I would be happy to help him in his business in exchange for some t- uh, tutorship or m- mentorship. And he emailed me back and actually, actually he called me back. Um, and he uh, gave me the most interesting offer. This is this is not a made up story. You, when you're here, you're gonna think it is. So he called me up and said, "You know what? I'll be happy to help you. I won't charge anything. But here are my criteria. I want to make sure you're teachable and you're willing to work. So go and find the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, which has nothing to do with real estate, and get that book, get a copy of it, 
I want you to read it and highlight it, underline the parts that are relevant to you. And then I want you to write a three page handwritten essay. And then I want you to mail it to my PO box. And once you do that, then I'll talk to you. And this was his mechanism to, to weed people out, to uh, weed out the looky-loos. Um, which is, you know, it sounds like uh, some sort of like wax on, wax off type of Mr. Miyagi stuff. Um, and this is exactly what he was doing. And I ended up writing like nine or ten essays for him. And they always had to be handwritten and they had to be three, uh, three pages. And it was the first three or four books that he sent me or he asked me to, to, uh, to read uh, were not real estate related. He, he wanted to get your mindset straight and basically understand money in the first place. And then. Uh, one of the first books about real estate that he had me read that I still would recommend to people is uh, Building Wealth One House at a Time by a guy named John Schaub. So if anybody here is listening to this and you're what I would call real estate curious, you're probably already a savvy investor, but you're interested in maybe getting your head around what, where or why real estate might fit into your portfolio. I find that to be a very good book because he breaks it down at the most simplest level and he just kind of gets you a sense of why building your wealth can be done by just buying a house at a time. What's interesting about buying um, rental property is if you did nothing but buy 10 rental properties, one a year, just one rental property a year for the next 10 years, you would have 10 rental properties. And on average, let's say they were worth $100,000. Then once you've paid off all your your debt on those properties, if you don't have the cash for it, you you did it with with borrowed money, uh, you would be a millionaire just by holding those rental properties. And of course, you have the cash flow that you realize while you're holding it. And then you also have the tax advantages and you also have the potential appreciation of rental properties, which, you know, on average in the Midwest and Southeast where you can actually find properties worth $100,000 tend to keep keep pace with inflation. So you're not going to get the, uh, you know, the 7, 8, 10, 12% returns you might get from the stock market from the just the appreciation of the property, but you're buying it for more than just the appreciation. You're buying it for the cash flow and you're buying it for the the fact that somebody else pays down your debt for you. Well, so there's a lot there's a lot there. A lot of which I had to sit back. I mean the, the first thing is the the mentor. Um and I forgot what book book I was reading, but they said, you know, rich people typically, I mean everyone thinks they're um they're very standoffish because obviously the TV shows and the movies uh-huh. portray them as such. But the majority of people who have success don't mind sharing it. Um, so I find it interesting that you message this guy and he didn't you know, try to get your money like a lot of these YouTube advertisers. Mm-hmm. The first thing he did was, let me make sure this kid's got his, his head on straight. Um, Richest Man in Babylon, by the way, is literally to the left of me right now. (laughs) Uh, That's why I found it funny you said that book. Um, And I think part of why he maybe had you write the essays was that he knew writing it would help you learn it even, you know, at a deeper level. So I I like this. I don't know who this this mystery man is, but I I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, Now, what was the name of that book you just mentioned? Can you repeat it again for them? Sure, sure thing. So the author is John Schaub and it's uh, Building Wealth One House at a Time. And I, it that reminds me of I don't know you know I don't know if you know the uh, motivational speaker Eric Thomas, mm-hmm. but um, oh yeah oh yeah he a few years ago he uh, had released a tape where he was talking and saying how he did his his show um, the thank God it's Monday for free for years 
mm-hmm. and that when he finally was able to get into the streaming, he decided to stream everything that he streamed from like Apple for only a dollar. And oh, wow. he his his explanation was again, I'm only saying this because it links to this gentleman's book about one house at a time. He said, oh. I can be a millionaire. I just gotta i I'll sell a million of you to you of these one dollar products, you know? I just mm-hmm. need a million of you to buy one of them and I'm already a millionaire. So it I like that concept of just one house for ten years valued at a hundred thousand. If you just do the math, right, being a millionaire is is very simple in theory because it's all mathematic. I do want to ask you about masterminds. Talk to us about masterminds. You mentioned Napoleon Hill on mm-hmm. your website, mm-hmm. and now you talk about you know seeking mentorship. Even with your success, you still sought a mentor. Mm-hmm. So I know you have an appreciation for, for masterminds. Can you tell us about them? Yeah, and I think masterminds are kind of a cachet term now. They've become very popular. So the the, the any time thing becomes popular, the meaning of the word kind of changes, and which is unfortunate because the the concept of a true mastermind is uh, one of the most life changing things you can do in your life. So basically, fundamentally, a mastermind is when a group of people get together and work on a common problem, and there becomes a a, a singular mind that is greater than the sum of its parts. And everybody's there seeking to solve either a shared problem or one of the members' problems as a whole. And when you are a part of a properly run mastermind where everyone is genuinely, authentically trying to help every other member in the group and they really want the other person's success as much as they want their own, then you really get a a compound effect where you share insights and resources and contacts in your network. And I don't know how far along I would have made it without having access to some sort of mastermind, but I'm confident that it would not have been as far as I've come for sure. And so I actively seek out different types of masterminds. There are paid ones. There are ones you can start yourself that are free. There are ones that are local. There are ones that are virtual. And I'm in some version of about every single one of those. So I'm a member of a local mastermind here in my own market where other real estate investors, and we get together once a month and we, it's not paid and it's a, just a mutual uh, gathering of experiences because we are in the same market. And so we're bound by some of the same rules. Um, I'm also a member of another mastermind that is not necessarily real estate specific, but it's more about being a, a small entrepreneur. And it's a virtual based uh, around the country, I guess, really around, around the whole world, but mostly the U.S. and North, North, North America. And they um, are actively working on what are the challenges of entrepreneurs and what are the kind of the obstacles that exist when you are a relatively new entrepreneur. And then I'm also uh, a member or I guess a leader of in my own mastermind of other people who are are real estate curious. They have a W-2 right now or they have recently transitioned from W-2 to being a full-time real estate investor. And I'm I'm kind of a guide, I guess you would say, but I learn as well. And we meet once a week and we spend quite a bit of time just really thinking about what are, what's the unique challenge of somebody that's in the hot seat. That's kind of our format. Who's in the hot seat right now? And let's give them 25 minutes of our time to help them solve a problem. It could be tactical. It could be mindset. It could be strategy, whatever is going on in their life. What can we do to help? 
Hey, thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed part one of this interview. Tune in tomorrow morning for part two of my interview with Paul David Thompson. If you didn't know, we're on Amazon Music now. So if you have it already, try listening on the go with hands-free listening powered by Alexa for iOS and Android devices and on all Echo devices as well. And if you enjoyed this, I encourage you to leave a five-star review. It'll be your Christmas present to me and the podcast and help us rank up moving into the new year. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and I'll see you tomorrow.